A story from the East tells about a father who had a family of quarreling children. So one day, he called them all together, and he picked out the strongest among them, and he handed him a stick, and he said, break this, snap it. With a gesture of contempt, the young man snapped the stick and handed it back to his father. Then he had already a bundle of two sticks, and he handed them to him. He said, now break this one. Same thing happened. With contempt, he broke those sticks and gave them back to his father. And that happened again on a bundle of three and four and five sticks that were bundled together. And finally, he handed him a bundle of ten sticks. And he said, break these. And the boy tried. And then finally, he had to admit failure. He could not break them. And the father looked at his sons and he said, let me tell you something that you must never forget. That strength is in unity. That a house divided cannot stand. That anyone can destroy you one by one. But you stand together in unity. And united, you will find the strength to make your enemy flee. Psalm 133 is all about the unity of the Spirit. It is the kind of unity that gives strength. It's the kind of unity that brings about the blessing of God. It's the kind of unity that sends your enemy fleeing. It's the kind of unity that produces peace. It's the kind of unity that makes the world sit up and take notice. Psalm 133, only three verses. How good and pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar and his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were filled at Zion, for there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life evermore. Father, it is the plea of my heart that You will imprint those words on our hearts, that they will become our motto, and they will become our source of strength. Open our eyes to understand that we can stop the blessing of God and that we can bring about the blessing of God by our obedience to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. What is that unity that the psalmist is talking about? Well, first of all, let me tell you what it is not. Then I'll tell you what it is. This unity that the psalmist is talking about is not uniformity. It's not conformity. What do I mean by this? I want to explain the difference because it's very important. There are some people who think that unity is you lump together a group of churches or a group of denominations and have them join together in organizationally, 
and have organizational unity, and they say, this is the unity that the Bible is talking about. That is not the unity that the Bible is talking about. Listen to what Pastor Adrian Rogers, one of the great Christian leaders of our time, had said, and I quote. He said, it is better to be divided by the truth than be united in error. It is better to speak the truth that hurts and then heals than falsehood that comforts, then kills. It is not love and it is not friendship if we fail to declare the whole counsel of God. It is better to be hated for telling the truth than to be loved for telling a lie. It is impossible to find anyone in the Bible who was a powerful God who did not have enemies and was not hated. It is better to stand alone with the truth than to be wrong with the multitude. It is better to ultimately succeed with the truth than temporarily succeed with a lie. I want to say amen to that. Biblical unity is not unity at any price. Biblical unity is not unity that comes out of compromise of one's conviction. Biblical unity is not the unity that is go along to get along. Biblical unity is not unity with everyone everywhere. No. As a matter of fact, the prophet Amos asks the question, can two walk together unless they agree? Biblical unity is a unity of purpose. Biblical unity is unity of direction. Biblical unity is a unity of total agreement upon the truth. Biblical unity is the unity of having a common commitment to the truth of the Word of God. And Psalm 133 verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when the brothers or brethren dwell together or live together in unity. Most of you know this, but let me tell you anyway. (laughs) There is no use for me having unity with some pastor who does not believe in the virgin birth and the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is not unity. That's hypocrisy. There is no use my pretending to be in unity with church leaders who deny the divinity of Jesus Christ and that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That is as phony unity as a $3 bill. Now, that is not the biblical unity that the psalmist is talking about. I want you to listen carefully. Because the word brethren here means that they have common spiritual ancestry. The word brethren here means that they are of the same mindset. Brethren means that they are of the same conviction. Brethren means that they were cut of the same cloth. As a youngster growing up, I used to watch my mother and my four sisters always knitting. And they always often knitted wool. And I would hear them say that you could never knit wool with cotton, that it wrecks the garment. That you can only knit together things that are of the same nature. And that is why the Bible is very clear that a husband and wife must be netted together in unity. There is no compromise on that. 
that members of one body must be in unity, that true believers in Jesus Christ must be in unity as brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, before I get carried away, let me tell you two things about this text. David is saying that unity is beautiful, and he also says unity is blessed of God. Why is unity beautiful? Well, the unity beautiful because it's a gift of God. See, the one thing that Satan hates is to see Christians united. The one thing that absolutely makes Satan tremble is to go into a Christian home and see the husband and wife and the family united. The one thing that Satan dreads is when a husband and wife pray together in unity. The one thing that Satan will do his uttermost to undo is a church that is united in purpose and in goal. Why? Because whatever looks beautiful to God, Satan hates. That's a rule of thumb. Someone called the unity of the Spirit a rare and exotic plant. But it ought to be commonplace. It ought to be commonplace in a Christian home. It ought to be a commonplace in the Christian church because that is God's desire for the home. This is God's desire for His church. This is God's purpose for the home. This is God's purpose for His church. You know, when Adam and Eve were created by the Lord, they were created in unity. Not only unity with God, but they were in unity with each other. But when Satan and sin came into their lives, unity disintegrated. God said that it is not good for Adam to be alone. And so he gave him Eve. Well, he didn't give him Eve so that he can fight with her. He did not give him Eve so that the two of them will frustrate each other and fight with each other. No. He did not give him Eve so that they can irritate each other. No. He gave him Eve so that they can complete each other. They may fulfill each other. You know, legend has it that after Adam with Eve for a little while, he went to God. He said, God, I have two questions. First, let me ask you, this woman you made, she's so beautiful. Why did you make her so beautiful? Well, God said, well, so that you might love her. He said, okay. But God, the second question is this. Why did you make her so dumb? God said, that's easy. So she can love you. (laughs) You see, humanity's first sin separated them from God. Humanity's second sin, when Cain killed Abel, it separated them from each other. And that is why Only God, only God, the Holy Spirit, when He truly dwells in the lives of His children, can bring about that unity again that was lost forever. No one can organize this unity of the Spirit. Listen, lodges can't do it. Clubs can't do it. Institutional church, try all they may. They cannot create that unity that only God can give. It may look okay on the outside, but deep down there is wide divisions. 
Only God can unite people together when they come under His authority and under the authority of His Word. Do you know what the secret of the beauty of unity is? The real secret is because it comes from God. You can have all the contracts and the agreements in the world, but God is the one who gives true unity. It is a gift from the indwelling Holy Spirit. You see, oil in the Old Testament is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere you read, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I want you to look at verse 2 of Psalm 133. David is telling us that it is God who pours the oil. He's the one who does the pouring. God is the one who does the anointing. God is the one who pours the oil on the head of the high priest. God is the one who pours His favor upon His children in order to unite them. You see, God is the one who fills the entire home with the fragrance of His beauty. Break this verse a little bit, because you're going to see that there is a a progression here. When the oil is poured in the head, it moves downward. First, the oil of God speaks of the glory of Christ, who is our high priest. The oil of God speaks of the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is not only our high priest, but He is the head of the church. Hear me right on this one. Whenever Jesus is placed at the helm, whether it be in a home, institution, a business, a church, any group of people, whenever Jesus Christ is the head, whenever He is placed at the helm, beautiful unity will result. Whenever sin is allowed to come into a home, whenever a sin is allowed to come into any group of believers together, whenever sin is allowed to flourish in the hearts of a church of Jesus Christ, you can be sure that turmoil and strife will dominate. Mark my word. Try it out. I think we all know any family where they have a rebellious member of the family, and I'm not talking only about children, because not only children can be rebellious. A father can be rebellious and walks out on his family. A mother could be rebellious and walks out on her family. Whenever there is rebellion in the family, regardless who's doing the rebelling, there is turmoil and there is strife, not only for the person who's rebelling, but for everybody. You see, it does not only affect that individual, it affects everybody around him. When you walk around thinking that you are sinning and you're rebellious and it doesn't affect anybody else, the church doesn't know about it, let me tell you something, God does. And that's all that matter. But you are causing pain to the rest of the body. The oil goes from the head of the high priest down into Aaron's beard, which speaks of the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was separated from sin since before eternity. He was sinless, pure, holy Son of God, but He was every bit human. He was every bit sympathetic and loving and caring. And then the oil progresses from the head to the beard into Aaron's garment, which is the church of Jesus Christ, the faithful body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Aaron's garment was the garment of a ministering priest. Now, I'm going to tell you something that 
Might not settle well with some of you, but it's okay. Nothing new for me. There are so many ministers and priests who are in the ministry for what they can get out of it. And that is why the church is in the state it's in. They are not in it so that they may serve as conduits of the blessing of God and the mercy of God and the preaching of the Word of God. They are not in it so they'll be a conduit of the anointing of God. They're not in it so that they may be channel of that anointing. They're not in it so that they may be selflessly give of themselves to proclaiming of the gospel. A friend of mine told me it was six months before I started this church. I have never forgotten it. He put both hands on my shoulders and he said, Michael, let me tell you something. There's only two ways that you can be a pastor. You either be a conduit and a channel through whom God works, or you'll be a cork that will block the power of God. Don't you think I have ever forgotten that one waking moment? Not one waking moment I've forgotten those words and how true they are. Then the oil goes down from Aaron's garment into the skirt of his garment and into the ground, which speaks of God's mercy and His grace that reaches down to every repentant sinner. So who are the brethren? Who are the brothers? The brothers are made up of all the repentant sinners, you and I. You and I are Christ's representatives so that people might come to believe in Him. There are some people who think that the clergy and the bishops and the priests and the popes, and they are are the representatives of Christ on earth, not biblical at all. The Bible says that every true regenerated Christian is a priest. The Bible says that every true regenerated Christian is an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Therefore, each one of us have to spread the beautiful fragrance of God's grace and forgiveness to this dying and lost world. Every one of us has to spread the beautiful aroma of God's mercy to a wicked generation. Every one of us is to spread the sweet-smelling savor of the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ to a sick world. That's our task. That's our call. It's not somebody else. It's ours, every one of us. Just as the dew is God's gracious gift to the land of Israel. Do you know if Israel gets all the rain in the world but does not get that tiny bit of dew every morning, it would cease to exist? And that is God's gracious gift to them. And that is why it's mentioned here. And just as God's gracious gift to the land of Israel to make it exist, is his due. So are those who are in Christ Jesus, you and I are to be his refreshing servants to this parched world. The beauty of biblical unity. Then the last verse, verse 3, the psalmist tells us about the blessing of unity. Look at the verse, verse 3. For there the Lord bestows, another translation says, commands His blessing, even life forevermore. Have you ever entered into a home where it's a spiritual unity, and the spiritual unity is dominating that home? You know what I'm talking about? The peace, 
the serenity, the joy, how inviting it is, how blessed it is. Have you ever gone to visit a church, and as soon as you walked in the door, you sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God? Do you know why? I'm going to tell you why. Because squabbling and striving in the home or in the church quenches the Holy Spirit. It really does. Quarreling homes and quarreling Christians give every indication of a presence of sin in the midst. And when sin is present, the Holy Spirit is not ruling supreme. And when sin is present, love goes out the window. And Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. I'm sure you agree with me that if I ask you today to raise your hand if you really want to receive the blessing of God, a lot of Christians have been praying that God would bless them. And I I'm in wholehearted agreement. I've never met a Christian who says, I don't want to be blessed. I just haven't met one. Only foolishness would deliberately reject God's blessing. Only foolishness would deliberately refuse the blessing of God. Most people would say, oh, Michael, yeah, I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed of God. Well, (laughs) the way to receive a blessing from the hand of God is to be united under the Spirit's authority. I read not so long ago that when a group of thoroughbred horses face an attack from the enemy, they stand in circle, facing each other. And with their back legs, they kick the enemy. Donkeys do the opposite. When they're facing an enemy, they, they, they circle up, facing the enemy, facing outside, and with their hind leg, kick each other. <laughs> the truth, my beloved friends, is this, that the blessing of God is ordered when unity is practiced, that the blessing of God is bestowed when unity is the norm. I want to affirm this in your minds by telling you about a visitor who went to visit a mental hospital in a prison where all the prisoners have mental problems. And one of the things he noticed is that there were only three guards guarding well over a hundred dangerous inmates. I mean, it caught his attention. He immediately went to the deputy warden. He said, aren't you afraid that these inmates will overpower those three guards and, and run out and escape? (laughs) The deputy smiled and said, no, I'm not afraid at all, because lunatics never unite. (laughs) Lunatics never unite. You know, my friend, I want to tell you something. Jesus said it on several occasions. If he said it once, it would have been enough for me. He said, when two or three of you gather together in my name, I'm going to be in your midst. What does he mean by that? He's saying, in other words, he said, if when you come in unity, seeking my glory, seeking the glory of my name, I'm going to be right there in a special way. 
In Matthew 18, he goes on and he says, if two of you agree on something on earth, God will answer it in heaven. Lord, what does that mean? I've got to confess to you, I don't know everything that this verse means. It's a confession. I really don't. I confess to you, I don't understand everything about this verse in Matthew 18. But I believe it, and my wife and I practice it. We've seen answer to prayer after answer to prayer simply by holding on to the promise of Jesus. Now, that is not the unity for unity's sake. Well, yeah, okay, I'll agree with you. Will you agree? Oh, I agree with you. No, no, no. Listen, don't agree with somebody because what Jesus means here about unity, that it has to be absolutely heart and soul agreement. The agreement that brings about the blessing of God is a total and unequivocal agreement. There may be someone here today who has not committed the life to Jesus Christ. And you say, my life is in shambles. Well, until you come under the authority of the Holy Spirit, your life will continue to be in shambles. And that's the first step. But let me talk to the believers, husbands and wives. Why don't you decide today to be in total agreement? Commit to that. And if you can't ask the Lord, say, Lord, we're having a hard time with that. Would you help us? Because we do want to be in agreement. We want your blessing for our family. We want your blessing for our children. Believers in business together, why don't you commit with each other? And if you still can't agree, just agree to pray to come into agreement. Members of the body of Christ, small groups, why don't you commit with the power of agreement so that you will hear the words of the Lord that He will bestow upon you His blessing. Father, we thank You that Your Word is true whether we practice it or not. We thank You that Your Word is true whether we were willing to obey it or not. I pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit of God will move into every heart that is within the sound of my voice. Where there is rebellion, there'll be the spirit of repentance. Where there is pride, I pray that there'll be surrender. Where there is anger, I pray your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.